Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. I'm Hussam. And I'm Guillaume. In this podcast, we are going through the fundamental concepts of corporate treasury, which I learned from my experience working at a big four consulting company. And he'll explain it in a way that someone like me who knows nothing about the topic can understand. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hey man. So, in the previous episode, you explained what corporate treasury was by going through the main topics and giving us a good overview. Yeah. So, delving further into that, how should we go further into corporate treasury? Yeah. Okay. So, we indeed explained the very basics in the previous episodes um, of treasury and corporate treasury. Uh, and I really recommend to anybody who's getting into this awesome topic of what corporate treasury is to listen to it before this one. Now, a promise is a promise. Let's develop on the different topics we can find in corporate treasury. But first of all, a little disclaimer. We'll obviously get more and more in details of each topics in the following episode. The idea here is to have a high level, 360 degrees view of corporate treasury. Also, even if this is rather a niche topic, there are a lot of things you can find in corporate treasury. We will be covering here as much as possible, but certain subsections might be discarded for now because too detailed or not relevant for the moment. Sounds good to me. So, if someone was getting completely new into the field of corporate treasury, could you give an overview of the topics that we will be covering to give them a better understanding of the topic? Yeah, absolutely. So, as we said last time, um, treasury is making sure the cash and financial state of the company is managed in a way that makes it able to comply with its financial obligations. Which means paying on time is different counterpart and collecting money on time from its clients. So what makes it corporate treasury is when we typically talk about companies as of a certain size where these two aspects reach a scale where their management needs specific tools and processes. There are of course many aspects of corporate treasury but we can typically find four main ones. Let's call them the four pillars of corporate treasury, which will go a little bit more in detail in a moment, but in a nutshell. The first one is cash and liquidity management. The second one is corporate finance. The third one is financial risk management. And the fourth is bank relationship management. Now, this might all sound like a little complicated and rather complex topics, but I promise you, you'll see it very differently at the end of this episode. So, Usam, what topic would you like to tackle first? Okay, so that's a lot of big words. Um, well, <laughs> let's start from the start. So, explain to us cash and liquidity management, please. Yeah, absolutely. So, I actually think this is a good topic to start with, and let's dive into it. So, cash and liquidity management. Well, basically, it's in the title, right? It's the management of cash and liquidity. Cash, we talked about it already, so it's rather straightforward. How and when do you receive money? And same question goes for paying and getting money out. Basic. Now, the interesting term here is liquidity. Let's take a little bit of time to break this concept down. What is liquidity? So, liquidity is the ability of the company to raise cash when it needs it, typically to pay suppliers, salaries, tax, etc. Or to fund unexpected events, such as um, well, a, match, a machine needs to be replaced or the company needs, for some reason, to pay a huge fine 
or you have had a water damage in your company and your restaurant uh, needs a new roof, for instance. Does it make sense? I think so, but I think the one thing we can do better in this podcast is give more examples to highlight these maybe arbitrary concepts. So could you give an example on this, please? Absolutely. So let's take a more or less fictional example, right? That will probably talk to everybody. So shares on a stock market. Let's say you're in uh, 1980 and a certain company, Apple, has just arrived on the stock market, right? So they did what we call an IPO, initial public offering. You, Hussam, are a couple of weeks after this IPO and you have the feeling that somehow this company is going to do great in the future. So you want to buy some shares in order to make a profitable investment, right? Unfortunately, other very smart people all around the globe think the same and they all want to buy some shares from Apple. But there aren't as many vendors as buyers because they all want to keep their shares because they also feel uh, it's going to be worth much more in the upcoming future. So the offer can't match the demand. So you eventually can't buy shares because the product, the asset here, isn't available enough on the market. We say that the asset, the product, is not liquid. A few months later, the price went up uh, and people start to sell shares. The offer starts to match the demand and the asset, financial here, is available on the market. It is liquid. Now, back to treasury. Here we talk about the liquidity of cash. How much cash can I free to comply with my financial obligations? And is my cash liquid or not? For instance, you might have some huge assets, right? Um, real estate, for example. You own thousands of big buildings, uh, which are worth a lot of money, but you cannot sell them so easily. So you cannot free up cash so easily. If this is your only asset, your liquidity is rather low. If you have, for instance, a lot of stock of the project you are making, uh, and you can manage to sell it fast, your cash liquidity is high because your available cash can become quite high in a short period of time. Does that make a little bit more sense with those examples? Yeah, I think so. So essentially, if I had to summarize, yeah. liquidity is just another word for availability. So exactly. if you're more liquid, that means you have more cash available to manage some uncertainties around you. And if you're illiquid or non-liquid, it means that you just don't have the cash available fast enough, perhaps, to react to what you need to. Man, you're getting quite good at corporate treasury. I have a good teacher. <laughs> Please take us through corporate finance. By all means. So, corporate finance is rather broad, but let's focus on the treasury aspect of it for the moment, right? So, corporate finance in treasury could also be said as funding and investment management. So, we'll come back to those two topics in a second, but... We just talked about management of cash and liquidity. So collecting money, paying your counterparts, making sure you can raise money when needed. This is rather short term, right? Now let's take a look at the long term. Funding, for instance. So how does it work when you want to make a huge investment? For instance, buying a building to tr transform it into a store or building a new factory. This obviously requires important amount of money, right? That you hardly have on your bank account. So you'll need to find money to finance it. We call this funding. Now, investment part of the corporate finance. Let's take the other way around. You have, for some reasons, important amount of cash, of money, but you don't have an important investment to make. So you have cash that you are, you are just not using. And you want to invest it because cash can bring more cash, right? This is the very basic principle of interest, for instance. So the banks are willing to lend you money because you pay interest on it. They earn money thanks to money. 
In corporate treasury, you want to make sure that you can fund your activity and or business. And if you have a lot of cash, you want to make sure that it brings you as much additional cash as possible. Okay. Could you give an example of each one of those? One for funding, perhaps, and one for investment? Absolutely. So let's say I'm a car manufacturer, right? Um, business is going quite good lately, and I want to expand it in Asia. But my current factories are producing at maximum capacities already, and I'm selling all my cars. So I need to build a new one. This is, so to say, a huge investment, and I need to find a way to fund my factory. There are multiple ways to do so. Um, asking your bank, issuing new shares on the market if you're a public company, find private investors, etc. We're not going to go through all the funding instruments we have on the market in this episode, but what you want in a nutshell? Well, you want to make sure you have the best conditions on having the money on time, having the right amount of money, and eventually not paying too much interest on it. So you want cheap money in order to fund your factory. For investments, um, let's say you're still a car manufacturer, right? But completely different time. Business isn't going so well in one of the regions you are operating in, let's say Latin America. So you want to get out of the market. Um, so you decide to sell all your stores, all your factories there, you completely close the business. You eventually find a buyer that pays for all this, and now you sit on a huge amount of money. What do you do with all this cash? Well, you want to invest it and gain interest on it. Again, the more risky the investment, the more money you'll get, but also the higher the chance of losing it or part of it is. Okay, so we covered the area of funding investing, which is what makes up corporate finance. It's the funding investment yep. activities. Indeed. So funding is when you're uh, gathering cash in order to fund an investment in something to yep. get the money together. And there's financial instruments that you took us through there, which I'm sure we'll go into more detail at a later state. Mm -hmm. And then investing is finding ways to spend that cash in ways that will drive your business forward, right? Whether that's exactly. expanding businesses in factories, other markets, etc., etc. Yeah. Okay. Very Absolutely. clear. Thank yeah. you very much. And Paul. actually, I may add, thanks to your summarizing, the investment you can make is also in your own activity, right? Yeah. If you own a huge amount of cash and that you have this opportunity to invest in, well, you might fund it by yourself. So it will be cheaper to fund. Mm -hmm. And also, according to different criteria, well, it might be a profitable investment to make. Indeed. Very clear. Now, please take us through financial risk management. Absolutely. So this is rather a complex topic. So let's take the time here to break it down correctly and go step by step. So in finance, there is always a certain notion degree of risk, right? It's quite common knowledge. When you invest money, you have this little disclaimer. Okay, you might lose part, if not all of your money in that investment, eventually as little as possible. So there is a degree of risk, right? Also, the higher the risk, the higher the potential returns, but also loss. This is driven by different factors. Um, high level, well, the world is uncertain, right? Uh, things can come up, uh, things can not go the way it was planned in the first place, etc. Um, to make a very basic example, an investment with very low risk are typically the government bonds or debts, right? Governments are quite unlikely to fall down, or to collapse. So whenever you lend money to, govern to the government, well, you have a high chance of getting your money back with eventually a little interest on it. On the other hand, a very high-risk investment would be, for instance, to uh, fund some startups, right? Um, you have this friend who like, is starting his 
own companies, a startup, completely new technology, he wants to disrupt the market, it's rather risky. But you believe in the idea, you want to invest in it, hoping to have like huge return on investment. But of course, with high risk of losing the money. So financial risk management is a huge topic. So let's focus here on the treasury part of it. In treasury, you have what we call the foreign exchange risk. This comes from the fact of doing business or just eventually transactioning in different currencies. The second main um, risk, financial risk management we can find is interest rate risk management. Again, in the corporate finance world, um, there are a lot of funding, financing instruments, etc., such as loans, credit lines, etc., that are based on a floating rate. If this rate goes too high, it's a risk for the company who will pay too much interest. Does it make sense somehow? I was with you at the start, I'll be honest with you. As soon <laughs> okay. as you got into the whole point about exchange rates and interests and whatnot, that stuff gets very confusing. You yeah. know I like my examples, Guillaume. Can you give me an example on this? By all means. Okay, so um, let's try it indeed to make this more clear with a very basic example. So um, I'm a French company, right? I'm manufacturing and selling shoes. Um, again, like my car company, I'm quite successful. So I'm starting to sell my shoes in the United States. I basically sell to a big uh, shoe store into the United States who pay me in US dollars. Of course, they are, that's their currency, right? Um, I'm selling rather big quantities and they don't pay me right away. Uh, and they pay me in dollars. So that's one thing. But on my side, I'm still a French company. I'm still having my suppliers, my factories, my employees in France. They don't really want to get paid in USD. So I need to transform those US dollars into Euro at some point. Now, for our example, let's say my client is making an order, right? Um, he will pay me 120,000 USD, uh, US dollar, sorry, in a month, which at the time we are contracting at um, is the equivalent of 100,000 euros. All right. But he will pay me in one month. In the meantime, between the moment we settle the contract uh, and the moment I receive money, US dollars lose a lot of value against euro. What does this mean? Well, when we contracted, uh, one euro equals 1.2 US dollars, right? right? And now one euro is worth two US dollars. So in order to get a 100,000 euro equivalent, I now need to receive 200,000 US dollars and no longer 120,000 dollars. The payment they make is now worth way less than it was when we contracted it, when we agreed on the price. So this is what we call the foreign exchange risk. The management of it is making sure that whatever happens to the value of either euro or US dollars, I will receive my 100,000 euros because that's the amount I need to cover my costs and to make some benefits in it. So in order to do so, there are many instruments. Again, we are not going to cover it right now, but most likely in future episodes. But this mechanism of covering yourself against the risk is called hedging. Now, for interest rates, um, we talked about floating rates, right? So it's the fact that the interest rates is fluctuating over time. What does it mean? I'm still the French company that sells shoes. Um, and I need funding, I need money uh, to buy a new machine for my shoes factory. So I contract a loan with a bank. 
The bank says, okay, I'm willing to give you money, to lend you money, um, and for the cost of it, I will base myself on how much the money costs me on a monthly basis, how much giving you money costs me. And on top of that, I will take a little extra percentage for my fee, of course. We're not going to get into the technicalities of how interest rates are calculated, but let's say the money costs the bank 2% of the total amount. They apply an extra 1% for their fee, so it's 3% interest on the money I need to fund my new machine. Six months later, the same interest rate has fluctuated. It's now costing the bank 4% of the total amount to lend me money. And they, of course, still apply the 1%. This is an interest rate financial risk. Because in the end, I end up paying more than twice my funding than at the beginning when I contracted it. Again, managing it is making sure that whatever happens to the market of interest rates, I still pay the same thing during the time of my credit. It's the same mechanism we have here. It is hedging the interest rates. I know this is quite a big piece. Is it a little bit more clear, Hussam? Okay, so if I had to summarize in my own words. Yes, right? please. So essentially, financial risk management is hedging yourself, meaning protecting yourself against external events which could affect your funding, investment, sales ongoing, your loans, etc. Right? Exactly. And you took us through two of them. One was exchange rate risk, mm -hmm. which is if I'm doing business in multiple countries. I need to exchange all of those currencies back down to my local currency. Mm -hmm. Then those exchange rates can fluctuate because of global events, exactly. etc. No. Um, and therefore, I might not get back as much money as I intended to in my local currency. Because even though my US company is still paying the same amount, mm -hmm. it exchanges to less euros if I'm based in the EU. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, and then... Conversely, you can also have that on your interest rates, mm -hmm. which is uh, I take a variable interest rate loan. Yep. So it's not a fixed amount every month, but exactly. it's something that the bank is going to adjust. And the bank may decide later on, because of whatever mechanisms they have to calculate their interest rates, that they're going to charge more interest another month or less or more. So that could go your way positively and also negatively. Exactly. And that seems like an interesting topic on its own. But what I took away from that mostly is that hedging seems like a super important topic in Treasury. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm really excited for you to take us through that in a future episode. Okay, will be my great pleasure. Man, you are nailing this, huh? Um, very good. Yeah, you can basically summarize hedging as insurance, right? You're just mm -hmm. taking an insurance for whatever might happen in the future. You're still protected for your initial investment whatsoever. But that's quite a good summary. Okay, I have a great teacher. <laughs> We're going through the basics of corporate treasury, mm -hmm. right? We're going through your four pillars that you've defined for us, yep. which is cash and liquidity management, which you said was the availability of your cash, corporate finance, which is your funding and investments mm -hmm. and how you fund and how you invest, financial risk management, which you mentioned were the interest rate risks and the exchange rate risks and how external factors can uh, affect your treasury system and exactly. how you need to hedge against those. Mm -hmm. And we're really excited for you to take us through the fourth <laughs> topic in your overview of corporate treasury, which is bank relationships. Can you explain banking relationships to us, please? Absolutely. Hussam, first of all, I must say I'm thrilled that you're that much excited about <laughs> corporate treasury. Um, so, yeah, 
We just went through a big piece uh, into corporate treasury. I admit that I kept the easiest part for the end, uh, but also a part that can only be explained after everything we went through already. So, banking relationship. This is one, again, um, most important function of a group treasurer, of a corporate treasurer. Why? So all the topics we just talked about, banks are involved at a certain degree, right? Um, so typically we can say that banks are in the business of making money by selling money or by lending money. Um, in cash management, you need basically a bank account, right? To receive money from your customers and to make payment from to your suppliers. Well, guess who is providing these kind of services? Banks. For liquidity management, it might be that I need to use a credit line, right? That I can use now and then to fund some part of my business. Again, credit lines are provided by banks. When it comes to funding, I might need a loan to fund a new factory, for instance, the example we had earlier. Uh, well, again here, banks are providing this kind of products. Uh, investments is the same. So for investment, it's a bit particular, but on the market, there are very few uh, entities that are able to invest money on the market, and banks are one of them. So the most common counterparty to deal with for investments are banks. Uh, financial risk management. Well, we said earlier that you want to hedge your risk, right? So you need hedging projects. Again, banks provide this kind of products. What I want to say in a nutshell is that banks are critical partners of a corporate treasurer and of companies in general, right? And you need to manage the relationship correctly with the banks because you eventually have several ones. Uh, you want to make sure you have good funding projects, good projects in general for your company in order to be financially successful. And you also want to make sure that all those projects don't cost you too much money, right? So what I want to say in a nutshell is that banks are critical partners of a corporate treasurer. You need to manage the relationship with them because they are really important for your financial state. Um, and you can actually have several banking partners. And of course, you want to make sure that all those financial products you're using in order to drive your business don't cost you too much money, nor to the company. This is, in a nutshell, why banks are super important for a corporate treasurer and why it's a big part of a daily business of a corporate treasurer. So that kind of ties in the first three, like you took us through really well in the examples. That exactly. They're the ones that enable your liquidity management, your... Uh, Funding, investment. Your, your corporate finance mm -hmm. uh, and your financial risk because they're the ones that apply the instruments to help enable that. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. You your banks happy. You'd rather do that, indeed. <laughs> but you also want to make sure they don't bill you too much, right? Because <laughs> the banks tend to go this way sometimes, indeed. Yeah. Guillaume, thank you very much. That was a very good overview. Thank you, Sam, for being such a good student. Um, you summarized quite well all the topics we just tackled. Uh, I hope it was clear for you and for everybody who might listen to this podcast. Uh, yeah, again, we're going to go through all those topics in more details in the coming episodes, by all means. But this idea, the idea of this episode was to keep it high level and explain overall for people to have a, an overall understanding of the topic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.